Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Employment Matters podcast, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the world. I'm your host, Kato Aerts, with Lydian in Belgium. On the program, we span the globe and receive updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. On today's episode, we will be discussing immigration considerations for redundancy situations in the UK. Joining us on the program are Katie Good and Moji Oyadiran, Associate and Senior Associate at Trevor Smith in London. Welcome. We are delighted to have you on our program, Katie and Moji. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? Very well, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well, thank you. It's very interesting to talk about immigration issues. I'm sure that is something that is keeping employers up at night. And I've heard there were some updates that you would like to share. When preparing this podcast, I've read that under the UK's points-based immigration system, employers can register to obtain a sponsor license and can then sponsor the visas for skilled employees who meet certain requirements. I was wondering, Moji, where an employer is considering restructures or redundancies, are there any special implications if the employee holds a sponsored visa? And what does the UK employer need to do if they make a sponsored worker redundant? Thanks, Kato. So the starting point is that when an employee uh, being considered for redundancy holds a sponsored work visa, their UK visa status is actually linked to their employment. So there will be implications if they're made redundant. Now, the visa is valid for the particular job that it was issued for and only for the employer that sponsored that visa. So Sponsored employers, they will sign up to certain key obligations when they are granted a sponsorship license. And one of those obligations is to report key changes to either to their business or to the individuals that they sponsor. So if a sponsored employee is made redundant, the employer is required to report or notify the UK authorities at the end of the sponsored workers' employment. And that notification needs to be filed within 10 working days of their employment termination date. Now, the sponsor will be required to give certain details, including why the sponsorship is ending, and also provide things like the employee's last known contact details, their address, their telephone number and email address. So it's always a good idea to have up-to-date records prior to the end of employment. Okay, interesting. Sounds a bit like adding insult to injury if you're firing someone and then also having to report them with the authorities. But I guess it makes sense if the visa is indeed linked to the employment. So Katie, what about where an employer is looking at potential options to delay or hopefully avoid redundancy? We sometimes see employers look at potentially reducing working hours and pay instead of redundancy. Would this sort of change still have implications for sponsored workers? So it is possible to reduce the working hours of sponsored workers, but there are implications to this. The first thing to say is that a sponsored work visa is only issued where the applicant meets certain key requirements. And one of those requirements is around the salary level on offer for the role. This must meet or exceed the specified level set by the UK authorities for the particular role in question. And these salary levels are very specific to the type of job and also to the visa category the employee is sponsored under. So 
at the point the sponsored visa is issued, the employer will have confirmed the salary level and a sponsored employee must continue to meet the minimum salary threshold required for that particular job and also for the visa category. So just by way of an example, under the skilled worker visa category, the relevant minimum salary threshold would be 26200 but a higher minimum level applies, for example, if they were taking up a software engineer role, and they would have to be paid £34,000 for a 37-hour working week. So it's important for an employer to ensure that they have correctly calculated the correct minimum level to ensure that the employee is not going to be paid below the relevant minimum rate, including any hourly rate applicable. And again, a sponsoring employee will also need to report the reduction in salary to the UK authorities as part of their obligations as a sponsor. And they have to do that within 10 working days of the date of the change. And that evidence must be retained on their records to prove they've submitted that notification. Okay, interesting. And staying with the redundancy alternatives, can a sponsored worker move to a different role with the same employer if their original role becomes redundant? Or would they just keep their visa and and take up the new role? Yeah, this is a, a good question and often comes up. It may not be so straightforward, actually. As we've mentioned, a sponsored visa is linked to the specific job that it's been issued for and only for that particular sponsor employer. So if the employer wants to offer a suitable alternative employment instead of redundancy, the new role And actually, if the new role is similar and falls in the same job category as the employee's sponsored role, it's similar to the role they have their visa for, that employee can actually retain their existing visa. And what the employer needs to do is that they'll need to ensure that actually the new role they're looking at placing the employee in is a genuine vacancy and meets the requirements for the work visa category that the employee holds. Similarly to the other points we've mentioned, this sort of change will also need to be reported to the UK authorities and it will be that report will need to be filed within 10 working days of the new role coming into force. Now, if you're looking at uh, placing an employee into a different role, so one that is different to the one the visa was issued for, and it's so different that actually it doesn't fall into the same job category then what needs to happen is that the employee will need to apply for a new visa first in order to be approved to take up that new job. They can't just move across. This process will involve administrative step to actually file an application and also incur government filing fees. And importantly, the employee will need to wait to get the approval through before they can start their new job. So until the visa is issued, they can't move into the new role. And that's quite a key point. Sounds like timing is crucial. So the employer needs to make sure to notify within 10 working days, but then also needs to make sure to start prepping this in advance if they would have to require another visa for the different role. Katie, I was wondering, if there is a redundancy and, and the employment ends, how long can a sponsored employee remain in the UK after the end of the employment? So. As Moji said, when a sponsored worker's employment ends, the sponsoring employee is under an obligation to report this to the UK authorities. 
And generally, when this happens, if the sponsored worker only has less than 60 calendar days remaining on their existing visa, the UK authorities may decide not to take any action. But the sponsored worker must leave the UK or submit a valid immigration application prior to the expiry of their visa. But when the sponsored worker has more than 60 calendar days left before their visa expires, the UK authorities will normally reduce the length of the visa to 60 days. The UK authorities should usually contact the sponsored worker at their last known residential address by post or by email and explain that they must leave the UK or submit a valid immigration application to remain in the UK by a specified date. Now, what makes this slightly complicated is that the 60-day period is discretionary and is not guaranteed. It can also take much longer than 60 days for the UK authorities to contact the sponsored worker, which then makes it quite difficult to provide certain guidance as to when the individual should leave the UK or submit a new application. In this scenario, we would suggest that the sponsored worker plans as though they will be given 60 days from the date of their termination of their employment, and then obviously make a decision whether they want to leave the UK or make an application by that date. Well, following on from this last point, maybe directed to to Mochi, Can someone travel then abroad after termination of their employment? I'm assuming that that is not without risk for them being able to return to the UK, right? Exactly, exactly. And this is a point that often gets missed or individuals don't quite understand the implications of travel. So the the key point is really that once an individual's employment ends, they shouldn't attempt to re-enter the UK using their sponsored work visa. Because as we've mentioned, that visa is attached to the role that they now no longer hold. Further, they will actually be trying to enter the UK for a purpose that they no longer can do because their role has actually ended. So there is a real risk that they could be questioned at the border and they could be denied entry if it comes to light that obviously their role has ended and their visa could be confiscated on the basis that they're attempting to come to the UK after, you know, their job has ended. Now, the same applies to family members. So if somebody's spouse is also with them in the UK with a visa attached to their status, their visa would also have those implications following the end of the main applicant's employment. So it's really important to know that the 60-day period that Katie mentioned previously, it isn't actually for multiple entry and doesn't permit sort of travel back and forth once you've actually ended your employment. You sort of, you stay and make plans to leave or you make plans to make another application. And that's sort of the purpose of that duration is to sort yourself out, sort out your plans to either leave or apply for a further visa. Yeah, that makes sense. On a different topic then, Katie, can the UK employer continue to sponsor during a period of garden leave? So the guidance doesn't specifically refer to gardening leave, but it does refer to the end of a worker's contract of employment being the relevant point in the process to submit the departure notification that that Moji previously mentioned. But those on gardening leave are typically still under a contract of employment, and so sponsorship can continue during this period. 
Now, importantly, sponsors therefore have obligations regarding monitoring and tracking their sponsored workers, which will still need to be fulfilled whilst an individual remains sponsored on gardening leave. Coming back, Mochi, on one of the things you mentioned is already the accompanying dependence. What is the impact of redundancy on those people? Yes, where an individual, so with the UK visa system, you can have a spouse or children linked to a a sponsored employee's visa. And I mentioned briefly earlier, it is linked to their work, the individual who is the sponsored employee. If their role ends and they're made redundant and the employer reports, files a notification leading to that curtailment or cancellation of the visa, the visas of the dependents will also be cancelled because they're linked in the same way. So it is all sort of considerations need to be had for the fact that the visas for dependents are are cancelled. So they also shouldn't travel all the same sort of considerations around when they leave or whether main applicants will apply for a new visa also follows for the dependents. A lot of things to think about (laughs) in case of redundancy. You mentioned the 60 days and basically the period to sort things out. And, and my next question is related to that, I guess. So can an individual apply for a new visa in the UK after they have been terminated? So yes, provided the visa or the cancellation period, that 60 days hasn't expired, the individual may be eligible to apply within the UK to switch to another visa category or change sponsor under the same category. But obviously they have to meet all of the eligibility and suitability requirements in order to apply. If the individual is not eligible to apply, for example, because they've left the UK and they've re-entered as a visitor, so they don't have their skilled worker permission, then the only option will be to apply from overseas. And that's a process. So the new application needs to be completed within those 60 days, or can that take longer? No. So the most important point is that the new application must be submitted online in order for them to protect their current immigration status. Even if obviously they receive approval after that 60 days, that's fine as long as they've submitted it before. Okay, that seems fair. I think this is usually fascinating and I could Mm -hmm. continue asking questions all day, but let me just ask one more. Moji, is an individual able to visit the UK after their visa is cancelled? Yes. So once a visa is cancelled, and we talked about that point around leaving promptly within the 60-day deadline, where an individual is left and you know moved back to their home country, they are permitted to return with another visa. So as long as they meet the requirements for that new visa status that they want to come back with, that is absolutely fine. We often see people re-enter briefly for a visit, say, business meetings, if they've taken up a new employment outside the UK, they can still enter the UK as as a visitor. The risk that comes up when somebody starts sort of traveling back to the UK a very short period of time after they've left a UK employment is really that it needs to be clear that they're now entering as a visitor and no longer are based in the UK. And we would normally say it's best to sort of carry some evidence to confirm that new purpose of their trip when they're just visiting. 
So things like, you know, having a return flight, which wouldn't be necessary normally if you're here on a long-term visa. People should be mindful, essentially, that as a visitor for a very short duration, typically for business meetings, you might just be looking at a week. So having a return flight showing that evidence of the ties to their home country is also a good thing to have. So maybe a letter from their new employer. And just confirmation that, you know, what they intend to do in the UK when they're here. Some nationalities will obviously need to apply in advance of their travel. So if you hold, say, a Russian passport, an Indian passport, say, you would have to have applied for the visa before you come to the UK. But some nationalities can apply at the border on arrival and will be able to just explain what they are coming here to do, which would need to fit into the sort of the visitor visa sort of criteria. And if you have a sponsored employee that leaves and they're coming back shortly after leaving their employments, maybe say just to, you know, finish packing from their property in the UK, we always say better to sort of think through and ensure they have the right documents and have addressed any likely risks and you know, this is where we often get involved to provide sort of more detailed advice and handholding just because of that risk of additional questioning at the border. And often people don't know that there is this risk of, you know, the showing the change between their working visa status and their new visitor visa entry. That's an interesting point, because, of course, traveling back to the UK, even if it is for a short know, touristic visit or a short city trip to London, speaking for myself here, they wouldn't yeah. ordinarily take all the papers with them. So yes, that's that's very helpful advice. Well, this is all the time that we have today. Emoji, this has been a very interesting discussion. Thank you for your time. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much. And thank you listeners for tuning in. If you would like to connect with Katie or Moji, please click on their bios in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Kato Arts. Thanks for listening.